Welcome back to Jokerman Podcast. I'm Evan. I'm Ian. And today we're talking about, would you believe it, Ian, we're already at the end of the, it's the end of the 1970s. It's the, it's 19, we're going to party like it's 1979, baby. Look around you. It's the end of the 1970s. Jimmy Carter is in office. Uh, um, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson are facing off in the NCAA championship. Um... Uh, no one can buy gas. Everything's going great. That's true. Still, yeah. Seventy nine was like always my favorite year of music. You know, yeah. for a long time I was just like, if it's from seventy nine, I liked it. I like it. Slow train. Uh, slow train. Yeah. But anyway, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the best of John Cale from the nineteen seventies. The nineteen seventies. Here we go. It's crazy because uh, looking back at it, it's just uh, astounding how much good music there is. It's quite from John Cale in in the nineteen seventies. Yes. Like this is kind of the the decade for him in terms of his his output being just like this uh, huge rocket ship taking off and nobody noticing. <laughs> yes, man. Nah, I think people, some people noticed. Well, um, there were, there were a lot of people who noticed, but uh, there are a lot more who didn't. A lot more who didn't. That's right. Uh, yeah, we're here to uh, to. We haven't done one in a while, but uh, longtime listeners will remember that when we were doing this, the original subject of the series, we took a moment at the end of each decade to sort of look back and reflect and consider what we've learned about the artists, the music, ourselves, each other. The world at large. The world at large. And that's what we're going to do here today with John is compile the Jokerman best of the 70s consideration playlist of John Cale, unranked, part me, part you, just slinging some of our favorites back and forth at one another. Uh, and neither one of us know what the other has picked. So this no, would be just as exciting. Part. That's the fun. Just as exciting and just as potentially infuriating for you, the listener, as it is for <laughs> you and I, Evan. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think that it's going to be that infuriating, but um, well, unless we'll you unless you're just like, all right, top spot goes to roll a roll. You know, <laughs> it's not the top spot. But... Okay, okay, okay. All right, <laughs> I already see how this is shaping up. Yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. we're uh, we better just get going. Yeah, we can get going. Uh, we're shooting for about uh, like 20-ish, right? Like we've done with Bob in the past. Give Something or take like a few. That. Okay. We'll get to 20. If we've got a couple extras that we got to get in there, we'll jam. But that's that's the target that we're shooting for. Yeah, and we're kind of going to, I think you and I will try to roughly say like which ones are our real, our personal top favorites. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm My first pick is going to be my number one favorite. Oh? Yeah. 
Okay, then go ahead. Let's do it. Uh, looking back at John Cale's output in the 1970s, I you know, put together a little like long list of uh, options for this, trying to figure out like what what's the one that had to be there for me? You know, like number one, number one with a bullet. Sort of surprising, surprised myself with this. At the end of the day, at the end of the 1970s, at this moment in time at least, my number one, my first pick, Head of Gabbler. Woo! Head of Gabbler Had a very funny face I got to say, it's basically, it was, uh, I was thinking the same. Wow. Look at that. I was kind of thinking the same thing, too. That's called Jokerman mindset right there, folks. And there's plenty of others that like could have taken that spot. But I think that part of what we're doing here is trying to highlight ones that maybe are a little bit under the uh, surface Mm -hmm. for various reasons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I think we all know Buffalo Ballet is like, you know. That's going to be here. It's going to be on there. Close Watch, I mean, my favorite version of Close Watch doesn't appear um, exactly here, but it's still, I mean, uh, it's, I'm not going to, I won't go on for too much. But uh, Head of Gabbler, though, it's a song that is pretty hard to hear uh, anywhere if you just have normal plebeian music services, right. as we all do these days, except for the, the elite and um, mentally ill. That's me. Who have both. Or they both, but yeah, you know, you've got the back channels and, uh-huh. and you have disposable income for, or just income that you foolishly squander on records. It's a, yeah, und- indisposable income. Non-disposable. Just my family is starving. Uh, please help me do someone budget. Me, yeah. Is someone who's good at economy help? Um, <laughs> but why did you pick Hedda Gabler as number one? I don't know. I mean, it just, it, there's something about the song that is, uh, like, just has, has been really arresting to me recently. You know, we did our um, our episode a couple weeks ago on the 1977 uh, Johns and Ends, uh, as you dubbed it. Um, and I, just, like, getting into that, I really kind of found myself in a headspace for this song. And since then, it's just kind of stuck with me. It's really unique, I think, in John's catalog. It doesn't really sound too much like where he was at in 74, 75. doesn't sound anything like Sabotage or Oniswa or where he's going to go after that. It's kind of just this like one-off, random moment of inspiration. doesn't really even sound like anything else on Animal Justice, Memphis and Chicken Shit. Um, I don't, there's, it, it's, it's sort of just lightning in a bottle to me. Um, it's long, right? It's dramatic. It's um, moody. It's ambient. Uh, but it's also pretty simple, and it also just rocks. Like it, it. I think more than anything else, does a really great job of summing up like everything that we saw from John between the years 1970 and 1979, which is such a dramatic, just like wildly creative streak of music um, stuff all over the the map of genre. I don't, I can't think of a single other artist who would have touched so many 
different bases uh, in the course of a decade. Um, and I think if there's a single song that's got to melt it all down and, and uh, you know, b- turn it into a little soup, a little stew, get a John Cale stew going, it's Hedda Gabler for me. great example exemplar all around of his skills as a as a dramatic songwriter mm-hmm. of a songwriter uh, who, a songwriter who makes these um theatrical songs but in this way that is not like anybody else does it um maybe dylan does something like this too sometimes mm-hmm. um but there is a particular thing about John Cale and the the references that he chooses and the ways that he extends the uh idea of of the of the content that he's he's mining into the places and into areas that are very surprising or or just daring or both um Hedda Gabler, as we talked about you know is based upon uh, takes its title anyway from the uh, Ibsen play of the same name. That's and right. I, I think that it really is an incredible example of, of the way that he, he takes the essence of the, the story, the character from that f- work of fiction and explores it through songwriting in this way. That's like, uh, it feels like there's just no ceiling on it. There's no limits to where it can go. He he throws in references that don't really make sense with the time frame of that of that play, like the Dear Adolf. Yeah, a reference to Adolf Hitler, which is not even uh, which would be decades later after the half a century that, before the or the half a century after the play was written. Yeah, which is you know that thing of kind of extending the idea into you feel like it just can be in any place. It's in it's temporally uh, uh, floating around in in all times and spaces, and the essence of the song, the thing that he focuses on, is this kind of malaise, this sort of sadness and um, and nihilism of this character, and but it's an elegy for a nihilistic character. I think it, that is what's so moving about it to me is that it feels like by the end of the song, it's not just a, a um, putting down of, of this kind of, uh, it's not just to- wholly depressing or depressive. It actually has this kind of sweeping and deeply felt. Uh, it's like an aria for, for a certain kind of way of thinking Um it, it it's kind of, it feels like it's dedicated in some way to like every uh confused and frustrated teenager or or young adult or just anybody but sure. it, it it feels like it's about that kind of nihilistic destructive frustration and malaise and at the end of the song when she's dead it's like this really beautiful extended and soaring uh, ode to to 
that life that was lost and how it represents so many of us. Boy, you're bringing you're bringing a lot of analysis to a song that's <laughs> pretty light on the on the lyrics on the page. Yeah, but that's, uh, but that's that, what you that's can. That's what happens when you get all these other songs to back it up to support the the idea that John Cale is somebody who's thinking that deeply on about these songs. I think that if it were just somebody else, if this were just a one off by someone who I I didn't know the the rest of their work, I wouldn't feel as um, confident in just sort of like. I, you know, thinking and thinking about what what this could mean. And of course, I could be wrong on some level, but the the feeling that the music elicits, I think, doesn't lie. It it, it has this that that is the feeling that I get from it anyway. wrong about their feelings your feelings are as you said in the last episode uh about shellac uh you're valid and your feelings are valid um right. uh it also just rocks the song rocks uh, i would like to Incredible make that clear drumming. uh it fucking rocks and that yeah that build there the last like two three minutes the sleep 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 head of gabbler man kicks ass yeah. Um, on that note, should mention Hedda Gabler not available on streaming services. No. Um, so uh, we are going to release like a like an abridged version of this playlist on on Spotify or something. So like whatever's there from our picks will be available to you there. But the full mix will be available on Patreon. So if you want to get all the good good, you gotta subscribe. <laughs> to start with talking about that song you you forced me to go right into the deep end well you know let me let me well th- that was mine so so you you take uh you take the crack at it here uh for the next one unranked out of out of order yeah or you um, can do your next favorite but if you want to you know if <laughs> feel free to to go with a, a lower stakes pick if we want to avoid uh, another big uh um uh essay about a single song Gideon's Bible. Perfect. Gideon it's a song that I don't think would really uh, be worth talking about what it means because i don't know (laughs) but uh lyrically exactly what it means is you know your guess is as good as mine there's not even like it's not clearly based upon a play in any way where i could sort of use that as some kind of a an anchor for thinking about what the rest of these could mean it's Mm. just 
it's just a song that is like a perfect pop song. And it's so stunning that it came out on his first record. It just feels so like, you can tell that this guy really loved Brian Wilson, for for example. Sure. Years before he would release Mr. Wilson. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is classic kind of uh, obtuse John, I would say. Not exactly clear what is going on here. The thought of China held, you know, still still chewing on that one all these months later. I remember talking about this, like in the very yeah, first China. episode. Yeah, All the first, the China references. The thought of China held. Um Still rocks, beautiful song, sounds amazing, you know. Uh, not wasn't on my picks necessarily, but I'm certainly not going to argue with on this one. Gideon's Bible. Beautiful what else song. you got? What else do I have? Uh, well, you know, we already we already kind of hinted at this, so I'm just going to go ahead and dive in the uh, dive in. Well, not the deep end. This is this is the shallow. This is the kiddie pool. Uh, this is an adult doing a, a cannonball into a child's um, a blow up pool on their lawn. Uh, it's it's roll a roll, roll a roll. <laughs> Uh, roll a roll, of course, the great track from Slow Dazzle. Um, you know, listen, John Cale released some incredible music in the 1970s. He released some of the most striking, literate, um, uh, classically influenced, just, uh, uh, historically beautiful songs, uh, that, that could ever be recorded. Um, uh, but he also, uh, just liked to have a good time and rock and roll. And nothing is more representative of that mode of John's than roll a roll. Uh, yeah, it here. does kind of occupy <laughs> that sort here. of iconic space now where it's like it's the punchline or whenever we want to talk about that strain of, of John Kill's output. It's like it's roll a roll. Like a roll a ro- it's a roll a roll. Or <laughs> it's roll a roll. <laughs> he's roll uh, rolling. He's roll a roll. He's like a fucking. Um, Kirby or something. Does Kirby roll? There's some sort of uh, video no. game character that Cur- rolls Kirby around. doesn't exactly roll. He's a um, circle, though. Sonic rolls. Sonic rolls, that's right. <laughs> he's in, he's, he's in like Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> John Cale is in Sonic mode. Yeah. Uh, roll rolling all around. That's the what's going Green on. Green Hill Zone. Yeah, Green Hill Zone. With the you know, the Green Hill roll. Zone is located in, 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 in Wales. Wales. That's <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Dr. Robotnik is actually, you know, it's a, it, it sounds like it might be, um, you know, he's it's a, definitely Eastern European. He's a but, Scot. Um, yeah. But, you know, all they, the red hair and stuff. Yeah. He has some Welsh ancestry, too. <laughs> it's not not many people know this. Uh, what do you got next? Uh, let's just also say, uh, you know, I'm really not going in any order here. Uh, That's fine. Heart, Heartbreak Hotel. Sure. got to be there again it, i i left this one off my list because i knew you were gonna do it yeah uh, well, um gotta it's got to hotel is i mean this version is not my favorite version of it but it's an essential version of it there's they're equal to me like the different versions that exist um and they're so different there is these uh the later m- mournful 
versions of it, the sort of horror movie strings versions of it, the uh, almost all acapella live version of it where he's screaming. Um, And then there's the original, which is like this hair raising, cold sweat, bug eyed nightmare rock yes song and it is uh as bracing and harrowing a a cover of a song that's ever existed and just totally blows the doors open for john kill's uh his his work with with covering other songs john kill one of the absolute just like greatest cover cover artists artists who covers other people's songs ever between this Memphis, hallelujah, like the man could just fucking like he yeah, could just take other songs and just make them his. It's a, it takes seriously the lyrics uh, of a song, which otherwise is just kind of, um, a, you know, a kind of a gimmicky lyric to a lot of people. It's like, oh, it's like the heartbreak hotel. It's the the place the sad people go. And then he's just like, well, what if there really was a heartbreak hotel and it's like this place this purgatorial doom filled space that you just like find yourself in and you can't find your way out of and he's just he he makes you think about these lyrics in a way that is uh totally terrifying um and as i've said before really is kind of a pioneer in what i'd call you know making a horror song and and not just a not in a way that's just spooky for the say, you know, with the sounds that it has, but in the way that he knowingly uses the lyrics that are there um, as the the pieces that he sort of arranges. To, he he just knows that these these lyrics, these words, actually can be cracked open, and like so much can sort of ooze out of it. Yeah, I love. Uh... I just I, I love the fact that this comes on slow dazzle when he's in roller roll mode as well. Um just the the ability to like inhabit both of those mindsets on the same record and also like you know you, you could have you could have used the music or the sounds that make up this song to like do your own song with, you know, he could you, you could have done your own kind of like sequel to gun or something like that. That is really just like kind of queasy and cockeyed and bleary and terrifying. Um, and set it to this music and it made total perfect sense. Um, but knowing that this, yeah, like you said, this sort of like this, uh, almost trite or kitschy kind of classic Elvis lyric could fit onto this tableau in the way that it does is so, I mean, it's just like, you gotta, you gotta be good to be able to figure that out. And we know, uh, we know John was good. Heartbreak Hotel. Uh, I'm just gonna throw this one in there next because it's gotta be there. Paris 1919. That is as normy of a pick as as it can get when it comes to crafting a John Cale best of the 1970s playlist, but I could not could not live with myself or sleep at night if uh, this song did not appear on this playlist because it still is, I mean, it's it's huge, sounds huge, feels huge, is huge, 
is probably, you know, one of his all-time greatest songs just right off the bat, 1973. Um, you know, I, I don't think anyone's going to argue against that. It's uh, it's like hamburger. You always love to hear it. You always love to eat it. Tastes good. <laughs> this song is uh, like an hamburger. Hamburger, yeah. It's hamburger. Uh, we love uh, hamburgers uh, in, in France uh, just like you do in America. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my insight on it today. Perfect. Well done. Um, Moving on. Okay. Um, taking it all away. Mm. such a unique and catchy song in such a such a unique way like it sticks with me in this way that i just i, I just can't get enough of that um the instrumental and that um that keyboard part what what, what are you gonna say i mean yeah. lyrically it's very simple but it just has this um it's a i'm a late comer to it too and it, it's just kind of embedded itself in my heart and mind it's such a yeah just like purely kind of enjoyable song um and in a different way than fucking roll the roll is purely enjoyable it's like um, yeah exactly the little organ or whatever it is um it's so cathartic without like with with hardly even breaking a sweat Mm -hmm. it just feels like it goes right there really quickly and the lyrics that you that are there there's not many but they're all all you need to activate these emotions and just it's anthemic and it's 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 gorgeous the more i um i mean this one is not like really uh a lyric song for me it's really just kind of a you know hanging out it's a a hang song um roll roll is more of a lyric song really um yeah because i love it because it's such a peculiar it's it's such an it's it's such a brilliant uh, it's it's like an idiot savant kind of song um uh but yeah i mean like the more we've already done three slow dazzle songs and i guarantee you there's going to be more on more more, i'm just realizing the more i think about yeah slow dazzle is really like just one of the great records uh yeah you know hopefully we made that clear in the initial conversation about it but uh you know coming back to it at the end of the 70s which is this strong already and john's doing all of this shit uh slow dazzle still just kind of Stands, stands, towers. California in any way. Can That's you guess right. what I'm going to do next? Uh, are you doing Mr. Wilson? Did you pick Mr. Wilson as well? No. Okay, then I, I am. Okay. Mr. Wilson is is an incredible song, and it's a song that is, uh, as we said before, sort of meta in its appreciation for another great artist and selfless enough to sort of make this ode to him and and acknowledge his own relationship personally to to being inspired by Brian Wilson. And um, of course, the ending 
part with uh, California wine tastes fine. I think it's just uh, a genius lyric. I, I just love that it sort of acknowledges something about, as we've said, the this sort of European and Californian thing that is that is so John Cale and so so ingrained and especially that relationship, you know, about John Cale and Brian Wilson and this like the, like on opposite sides of the world, just kind of being joined by music. Um, at least that's how John seems to see it. And this kind of mutual appreciation that California wine tastes fine, sort of being like this line that reconciles this uh, elitist and high um, high minded classical influenced music perspective and this rock and roll music perspective and really both of these guys both these artists find common ground somewhere where both of those things exist in equal measure mm-hmm. yeah john i think john searching for common ground more so than brian is uh, since we know brian was not terribly fond of the song um which well sure I, you know, I, he hopefully he's uh, more fond neither of it here now. nor there it's uh, more just about the the idea that both of those artists, I think, are uh, in love with two kinds of music that don't necessarily they don't care like what 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 that means. They're they're just chasing the same thing. Um, you know, Brian with his ideas about you know making this symphonic rock and roll, and. John kind of doing the same or like adding some, you got some symphony in my, you got some symphony in my rock and roll. You got right. some rock and roll in my John symphony. is kind of like the dark Brian, like evil, dark Brian. like evil Brian. <laughs> dark Brian. <laughs> like Brian is just this, like this entity of pure, like just purity and light and love and grace. And John has that within him, but he also has the Joker within him. And he's able to switch between them at will. Brian's the inner darkness of Brian, or the the darkness and uh, that he contends with and has through his life, is uh, as fucked up as anything that he's got. A little John Cale song, oh, of course, playing in yeah. His no, I think I think John is able to <laughs> like uh, acknowledge it and sort of um, like control it a little bit better, and and it's there in Brian in equal measure, but it is so like. It's so powerful, so potent within Brian that he, like, if he gave into it to the extent that John does on, you know, fucking um, uh, leaving it up to you, which will be my next pick, uh, you know, that <laughs> it would be the world would the world would explode. There'd be a supernova. Uh, well, it would just be too powerful. It, well, the sad thing is that if if Brian Wilson had really given in to those uh, dark uh, thoughts that he has uh, through no fault of his own he would probably just have had stopped making music. Right. And, um, it's, which he know, did for a while. Yeah, he did for a while. And, you know, it, it is just sort of, uh, both of these men have had troubled moments for Brian. It's been a lot longer than that, with his, uh, struggles with mental illness and in his, you know, right in his book, he talks about that, uh, extensively. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's it's beautiful to see that there's um, a kind of camaraderie. Whether or not those they actually share it, it's pretty clear to see from the outside that there's something going on there. That they they both have this um, this desire to to make something beautiful despite um, and in the face of uh, dark feelings and thoughts. Yes. 
And speaking of dark feelings and thoughts, like I said, leaving it up to you. I, yeah, this this one I think um, could have also been number top, one, up top there. three. I, it's 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 so like just quintessential. Qu- John exactly. Kill. I think in the same way that Hedda Gabler like sort of does everything that we want from John all in one. This also does that, but it's like oh, yeah. it's the the sharper version. It, it's it's that with teeth. The the kind of serenity and like stately beauty of Hedda Gabler is just thrown out the window here and yeah. John is in full fucking like Manson mode as you've, as you've pointed out. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, if had a gabbler is like a crumbling statue, then leaving it up to you is like a bleeding stump. It's like just truly <laughs> horrifying, uh, hair raising music. And it, it has this thing that, like we've said many times, I mean, I'm going to repeat myself a lot on this show just to bring certain points home, but it's music that this song is just as much of a horror song as anything he's ever written. But what's great about it is that it has this, uh, understanding that when you're in the, when you're inhabiting a character like that, which he seems to be, you know, inhabiting a really, he's going to some dark places in this song it's not necessarily going to sound um, scary and like spooky in the same way. It has this kind of feeling like the narrator thinks of himself as the hero. Uh, the narrator is triumphant and or, or trying to be. He's fighting through something and uh, has the same <laughs> types of feelings in some ways as you and I. But... It's uh, in the service of something that by the end of the song, you realize it's totally out of control. Uh, it's like that thing that, that um, I probably mentioned this before, too. But uh, Norm MacDonald is asked about like what makes a good uh, impression. And he was talking about how much he hated the impression of Donald Trump by Alec Baldwin. Mm. And he said, well, the real thing that's that makes it not work is that you have to like the person to do a good impression of them. Mm. Um, and so I think that whether like is the, whether you say that as you don't, I mean, like might not be the right word, but you know, kind of, it is there. You have to understand that. Yeah. John everybody's uh, the hero of their own story. Exactly. He, he has a, he definitely has a connection to, uh, you know, the kind of character <laughs> that he may or may not be inhabiting here as, uh, you know, uh, is witnessed with his own behavior, uh, around this time and a little little later on down the line. And yeah, Interesting the, that Mr. Wilson and Leaving It Up to You come out in the same, uh, around the same time. Yeah, same, year. Uh, technically the same year-ish since yeah. this was a Helen of Troy cut initially. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is perfect. This is exactly it, right? Like, this is the John, the, like, the, 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 like, what comes naturally to John and Mr. Wilson is, like, John doing the Brian sort of thing. This is, like, the dark, this is the, the, Sharp, serrated, you know, vicious teeth. Yeah, exactly. Um, The way he also, the way John just fucking, like, 
kind of builds and builds and builds his performance in this mm-hmm. song on this cut and just like by the end of it is completely deranged and howling you know we, we've talked about his penchant for theatricality on stage and you know the ability to inhabit just the most like brutal ugly um uh brilliant kind of um uh, presences when delivering concerts but even in the studio on this song in particular i think this is like one of his most affecting kind of vocals and um <laughs> yeah can uh, you imagine just going into the studio and cutting this Jesus just Christ. like psycho I hear yes sing, I hear yes sing in the distance. Sounds like psycho. Yeah, the guitar. And I, it's like psycho with a guitar, exactly. I don't think that's an accident either, because if we uh, follow my own personal read of the, what the song is potentially about, based upon the uh, name drop of a certain uh, unfortunate Hollywood star, yeah, the ending having that psycho like that's John stabbing open. Yeah. sound. It's <laughs> it's really kind of hard to unsee or unhear. For uh, me, anyway. Brutal. Violent. What do you got next? Well, it could be anything. You, you anything. Don't you don't know. Uh, that's why I'm asking. Well, I mean, I haven't picked exactly which one I'm going <laughs> to say next. But okay. um, why don't we say it's, you know, you know more than I know. You know more than I know. Perfect. Sure. Can't beat it. I'm going to uh, let me I'm going to amend that uh, a little bit because I have that on my list also. But I specifically have the Peel Sessions version since we're playing around with this and doing the oh. um, uh, of You Know More Than I Know, that live mm. version from the uh, the little Peel Sessions they posted on Aquarium Drunkard, which is a very faithful kind of rendition, but is just deliciously kind of stoned and slowed and, uh, you know, kind of almost loungy and sleazy sounding. Um and lends this kind of stately and beautiful song a uh, you know kind of interesting degree of ugliness. You know more than I know. You know more than I know. You know more than I know. One of the highlights from Fear, my favorite song from Fear when we came back to it. I don't know. I mean, still, yeah, honestly, probably my favorite song from Fear, which, again, we, have, we've, we haven't even talked about Fear this entire fucking time. Like, this guy's fun. He, he did so much in these nine years. It's absolutely insane. Or ten years, I guess. Um, it's a perfect song. Uh, and kind of the, the prototypical John placing himself behind glass and um, writing about himself without writing about himself or writing about himself in the, in the way that he felt comfortable writing about himself, which is very different than, you know, obviously Lou, uh, uh, ever pursued, uh, but is uniquely John in just the same way that Lou's writing about himself is uniquely Lou, you know? 
kind of reminds me of some of my favorite loose stuff, like in on ecstasy, that space where it's it seems very autobiographical and raw, and it's kind of all the better for it, even if it's not. It has that uh, sort of auto fiction aspect where he's like, you're never really sure, but it kind of sounds like it's drawing directly from experiences and the intensity of it, of the emotion definitely seems to back that up. If it's not about him, he's he's pretty good at hypotheticals. Exactly. Uh, this band also just killed it, kicks ass uh, this live session. So uh, again, we'll throw we'll throw all the the good real shit on the uh, Patreon. So you're gonna want to give it a spin, folks. Um, I gotta do a so- I gotta I gotta uh, throw a stop here to uh, to the Academy in Peril. Um, uh, Church of Anthrax era, which honestly, like, if we were going, if I was really picking one of my favorite songs or all of my favorite songs from the 70s, um, Hall of Mirrors, The Palace of Versailles would be on there. Doesn't really fit the vibe of a playlist like this, unfortunately. So I'm going to keep that off, but uh, consider that a, 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 you know, close miss. Uh, I will put on there, though, Days of Steam. From the Academy in Peril. Which is my favorite little, just little tasty little nougat, little little treat, little treaty of uh, beautiful kind of not orchestral music necessarily because it does have a rock-ish kind of format to it, but it has also at the same time you know kind of classical instrumentation. Um, those tootling horns at the end of Days of Steam uh, is uh, it just makes me grin, you know. Uh, and again, only John, no one else could go from this to Paris to. Uh, fear to slow dazzle in the span of whatever it was, three years. You got another one for us? Gun. I was waiting for it. It's gone. It's gone. It's Eno, gone. Eno playing the Eno. Eno being Eno. Um, yeah. I mean, Gun also could be the best song of the 70s. It could be best John's best song ever. I mean, as far as just these like bloody rock epics, I think it's my favorite. Um, yeah. It's it's one that I think when I first heard it, I probably it took a cu- only a couple times to really realize like, you know, I think on first listen, maybe I never got all the way through it. And then like listening to it just a few more times, I was just like, oh, come on. There's like this is there's something going on here that is just not like a normal rock song. It really just goes kind of ape shit. Yeah. It's fucking crazy how where the, where he takes it. He's well known. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, gun. <laughs> you At know, a certain gun point, folks. Some of these we can't. It just if we'll be here all night if we are. Yeah, we. I, re- I was. I was looking at everything that we've done. You know, over the past couple of months, we did two like two hours on fear, which is ridiculous. I'm sorry to everyone out there for making listen to us do fucking two hours on a 40 minute record. Um, so go back there if you want to hear more jabbering about gun. Um, I'll. Uh, I'll I'll stick with the guh theme. Mm, guh. You see, you see what I'm doing there? G- gun, g- guh, gun. Yeah. What? What? But I don't see yet. You don't. You don't see the other John guh. song that starts with guh. Um, Gaski Patrol. Uh, <laughs> we'll come back to that. Uh, the bugger in the short sleeves fucked my wife. Greatest uh, opening go, 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 line go. in any other song of all time, um, or in any song uh, of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, just uh, all of the like enormous kind of um, world bestriding messiness of Gun, all that fury and and blood uh, that you get into by the end of that. Is all present here in guts, as far as I'm concerned, and yet it's channeled into this, you know, like uh, it's, it's a little diamond. It's it's carbon that's just been pressurized and and formed into a just like perfect, hard as rock little nugget um, that just uh, you know it rocks. blows you all over the living room floor. Exactly, parrot shit, parrot spit. Was shot. Um, Guts gotta be there. All all of these songs could be John's best song of kind of, the 70s. Kind of. it's really you know, crazy. You, but here, okay, I'll give an example of one that's not. You know, okay. just for I'll just say this is not on there. But uh, sudden death, like I'm not gonna right. put that on there. That's fair. Well, but that's uh, you know that's Helen uh, songs that are sort of like sketches uh, in the yeah, first place. Yeah, some of them. Um, I'm not the loving kind. I'll throw that mm. in. That's another one that like there's these ones that are kind of mid weight, you know, there's like heavyweights like like I would say had a gabbler and leaving it up to you like full, full strength, like nothing, nothing diet about that. That is like two fingers, bold, <laughs> bold flavor. Yeah. Uh, and then there and the and I would also say close watch is one that's that's that strong. Um sure. And then there is there's songs like I'm not the loving kind and and leaving it up to you, which are like mid weight. You know, I think that they're whiskey soda, they're whiskey soda and they're not as they're a little diluted. Yeah, but they're they're great because they still have that that same great taste, that same great John Cale, great John Cale whiskey flavor that still gets you drunk. (laughs) Yeah. What would what would John Cale's whiskey brand be? It wouldn't be Heaven's Door. Oh, geez, that's a great question. How about John Cale's sake that you would have with that's uh, right. Sashimi. It's called Bamboo Floor (laughs) instead of Heaven's Door. Um, But yeah, you know, uh, uh, that song, I'm I'm not the loving kind. 
It's a beautiful song. It's on mine too. Um, it sort of uh, goes goes along with you know more than I know. I think um, or taking it all away. I think those are all in that kind of midweight range, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you know more than I know is is a bit heavier than that. But uh, if we're talking of. about weight now, <laughs> and how heavy are the songs? You're sort of weighing them, seeing how heavy they put them are. on the scale. Uh, this um, is, uh, this well, is the new ranking system. We want to talk about heavy? Let's just say it, uh, Buffalo Ballet. Yes, that's, you know, that's right up there with Paris, uh, uh, which is just like, it's got to be on there because it's got to be on there because it is also maybe John's best song <laughs> ever. I think it is maybe his best song um, ever. Maybe. Yeah. It's some of these my, are like, top five. Probably. Oh, absolutely. I mean, some of these are not uh, as as Jokerman-y type picks i would say as others yeah but um, the, the fact that they're john kale solo songs in the first place is I think what makes them, them exactly mindset because right. uh we we have you know so many people really just don't know even the the marquee songs they don't know like some of these big songs um yeah and that's, yeah, this exercise is more, I think, uh, uh, helpful for someone like John than it ever was for Bob, which, you know, obviously, you know, everyone likes to see, oh, what are your fucking favorite Bob Dylan songs from the 1970s and stuff? But like, that, that's some well-trod ground. Um, and, uh, you know, John, John is not, you know, completely unknown by any means, but, um, you know, I, I think even these songs like Buffalo Ballet, which we consider to be like so like boring almost not the song is boring but the pick is boring like so evident and obvious on its face um that it's barely even worth discussing for many other people i think yeah definitely like you might hear this song for the first time and just be like damn what's fucking going on with this guy and then and then you put the playlist on shuffle and the next song is ski patrol um which is my pick I knew you were going to put Ski Patrol on Come there. Come on. Ski Patrol has got to be on there. It's got to be on there. You're not mad with Ski Patrol, are you? I'm not Don't mad. Don't tell me you're mad. No, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Okay. You know, was, why would I be mad? They The Ski Patrol, they come down from that mountain and they, that's they right. make sure that we're all right. They make sure we're all right. We're all right. We're all right. We're all right. Make sure that we're I'm listening to it again. It just makes me smile every time. <laughs> Here comes the ski patrol. Yeah. <laughs> I love this fucking daffy bridge. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Jesus. I'm seeing the ski patrol credits playing in yeah, my yeah, it's, the ski brain patrol again. Is opening credits or uh, closing credits to a sitcom. Oh my Down God. the mountainside. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the fresh powder flying in, in the air. Yeah, someone um, like comes down the, the mountain, like does that like little like slide and yeah, and the stop slide, and the, the, the and mirrored the powder. aviators. Yeah, and then there's like a, a quick zoom and they're like grinning at the camera. <laughs> uh, David Hasselhoff is, uh, you know, Bryce. Yeah, Bryce, uh, yeah, Bryce Canyon. 
<laughs> this guy's such a fucking. I love him. Ski Patrol, if it was a show, it'd be sort of about like a guy who's maybe like he's like the king of he he's like a mountain ranger or something, but for like the Grand Canyon or like an or or some other arid desert like wilderness, and he gets transferred to the ski lot to like a, a mountaintop mm-hmm. resort, and uh, he's like he's sort of a cowboy, and and everybody's like. Uh, it's different around here. But yeah, kind of a fish out of water type. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And or so it could he, be could be like a Columbo, just like in Veil sort of thing, and like he's just kind of plotting around and like trying to solve mountain crimes. Well, he'd be skiing around. Uh, that's true because he would <laughs> Columbo on skis. That's 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 gold right there. Streaming services, listen up. Um, what do you got next? Um, I actually made a list so I can, it's easy for me to make these choices if you need some Cable Hogue. Cable Hogue, okay. I had a feeling you were going to throw that on there. Did you? Uh, it was on. It was on the bottom of my long list. Uh, I'm I'm happy to see it there, but I had a feeling you would do the work for me and put it on there. Cable yeah, Hogan, another I one did. that I feel like we have spent a lot of time uh, discussing. Although I guess this is a free one, and that is on Helen. Uh, all the time we've talked about it, I think has been locked up behind the Patreon wall. So you freeloaders out there getting to hear our takes for the very first time, some of you. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know John is also obsessed with the American West. Uh, I think it's the the California Wales connection, like we talked about with Mister Wilson. The, the Wales um, to California pipeline. That's right. Uh, but this is California in you know eighteen sixty three or something. Um, Later, eighteen nineties. That actually whenever. doesn't fucking matter. Anyway, Cable Hogue is just another equally uh, heavyweight theatrical song. It's one of the great ones of that. Cable Hogue, beautiful song, and one that John does a great job of uh, expanding on and bringing with him throughout the rest of his uh, throughout the rest of his career. Uh, speaking of theatricality and uh, songs that uh, really paint a picture for you, one we talked about very recently, you and I, um, although again locked up behind the Patreon. But my pick, one of my other favorites, also could have been number one uh, on a certain day, Captain Hook. <laughs> Captain Hook. Captain Hook. It's like king of the midweight songs. It, oh, this like, one's heavy. This is a heavyweight. Okay. I mean, sure. It's it is 11 and a half minutes. It's long. <laughs> it's long. Yeah, it's long. It's long and strong. And those guitars, like, I mean, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Just fucking, this one, put it on, sit down, close your eyes, sink into it, and let it just fucking overwhelm you uh such a such a striking song and really i was thinking about it again the fucking we talked about this on the sabotage episode most recently so sorry if uh you have listened to that already but the chris gal comment about this being a stupid song 
This is like one of, the, I think, the smartest songs that John has ever written. When you think about it contextually, in the middle of Sabotage, this record that's about, you know, like, eking out a survival in this, like, post-nuclear wasteland of the late 20th century that he was envisioning at this time. And then all of a sudden we have Captain Hook in the middle of this, which takes place 300-something years earlier. But by putting this song in that context and kind of, like, drawing an implicit link from where we're at and what he's envisioning to what happened before and locating the genesis of all of that in this fucking song, this anti-imperialist fucking masterpiece, uh, is uh, is really, I, I think, brilliant and striking and subversive on John's part. And uh, again, not dumb. He's, in fact, very smart. Take yeah, I don't, me, Chris I, Gow. I don't really get the calling it a dumb thing. Uh, and beyond that, it just fucking rocks. So, uh, you know, don't need to defend it there. Uh, Captain Hook, by hook or by crook. God, how many of these do we have? I, I feel like there's a lot. We're getting close. We're, we're narrowing in. We've got, uh, we're up to like 16, 17, something like that. So we'll each do, you know, we got another two, three uh, picks total. But you better be narrowing in. Uh, if you don't have any, if, you're, if we're missing some of our favorites, you better start, uh, yeah. you better start tossing those in. Okay, I mean, I've got uh, like two more. I think I got to get in there. Obviously, we got to put Big White Cloud in there. But yes, like, that was one of them. Come on. Big White Cloud. Big White Cloud. Big White Cloud. Big White Cloud. It's in there. Come on. You know it's in there. Got to yeah. be there. Um, all right, I'll do another sort of un- undersung one because you did Captain Hook. I'll do Corral from from the end of, um, of Sabotage. I like it. And the cold of the living and the cold of the death hand in hand from the beginning I think that song is uh, really beautiful and really under uh, underrepresented, um, you know, because it just comes at the tail end of this live album. But the the fact is, it's a totally original composition, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and is as good as any. Um, and it does appear like he has played it live since there's actually a, a live version of it that is uh, from the early 80s on uh, on. Spotify here, oh. from uh, eighty three, um, the Rock on the, Palace. Uh, yeah, the Rock. Uh, yes, exactly. And uh, it's an acoustic guitar version. Wow! And it's uh, it's gorgeous. I mean, I think this the song is just dead simple and dead beautiful. Yeah, I think like we talked about uh, again most recently on Sabotage, uh, a very uh, striking way to end a striking record in that it completely, you know, it's a, it it zags where the whole rest of the record had zigged in the complete opposite direction. Yeah, um, and uh, really so illustrates, I think, yeah, really illustrates Sabotage being you know John's most kind of theatrical record that we've talked about up until this point. Um, really illustrates a, a mastery of that kind of dimension of things and an understanding of just like how to create drama and um, uh, a sense of, um, you know, 
affect in listeners or in this case observers since the uh the show is being cut live it sounds like a song that's always been around or it's like it's, it feels like a traditional melody it has this part where he just cuts out and just singing um it just yeah it has this timeless and sort of uh classical beauty man sabotage fucking rocks it does mercenaries dr mud captain hook only time will tell corral he kills it maybe maybe that is three stars yeah uh no we we'll have to revisit it yeah <laughs> we've never been known to make a mistake in our rating um one more that I got to get in there because I got to get it in there because it has to be there. Uh, Ship of Fools. Okay. Which is, was that, is that a surprise to you? You sound, you well, sound shocked. There's just a, no, it's not a surprise to me, but there's a couple. Yeah, there's another from that record that I think has to be on there. A little another? More. Interesting. Yeah. I that was I think that's the extent of the fear material for uh, me well, between I mean, uh Come hmm. on. Come on what? though. The song? Yeah. The- fear. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to argue with friend. you there. Yeah. Um it uh Fear has always been more. The fear of the song has always been more of just like a, like a, like a setting the stage sort of thing, than a, an actual song that I deeply love. But it is. Oh shit! We also got. I, all right, I'm just gonna throw them in here. We're, we're gonna kind of do these rapid fire. Uh, Andalusia. Andalusia, yeah. Damn, yeah. I didn't even have that on Not there. even, to, not to mention Amsterdam, which is... <clears throat> Amsterdam count- I did. Counterpart of Andalusia in some ways. Um, and shit, I mean, Close Watch. It was written in the 70s. Never win and never lose. There's nothing much to choose between the right yeah those are those are mine i wasn't sure that you were going to allow close watch in on the 70s one because of your it was written stated opinion on it yeah but there's other versions of it yeah well that will probably be on the best of the 80s and best of the 90s that's (laughs) right it's the best song of the 70s best song of the 80s best song of the the 90s the other thing i could say also from the 70s but didn't appear till later is thoughtless kind a song which actually was written in the 70s. That's easily one of my top five favorite uh, John Cale songs. Um, it was actually performed at that uh, Ocean Club uh, show, apparently, right. um, in its most uh, embryonic form. But Thoughtless Kind technically makes it on. Yeah, that's well, well, we'll come back. It to won't Thoughtless be on kind, the playlist exactly. Coming but, up, yeah. yeah. And one more that uh, I want to throw in there that I thought you were going to do for me, but clearly you're not. Uh, Jack the Ripper. No, I did. I did have Jack the Ripper on my list. 
Oh, well, you just said you were done, so. No, no, I uh, was wrong. <laughs> you weren't done. I was wrong. Uh, uh, Jack, yeah, the Jack the Ripper is. Well, let's, I'm glad we're closing out on Jack the Ripper. It, God, I'm listening to it again. It sounds so stupid at the beginning. That little like do 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 It rocks, man. John kills it, folks. John Cale, we love him. Yeah, great artist. Just great. Sorry if this episode wasn't you know didn't live up to it, but there's only so much. Great. All right, good. It's a tour. It's a tour of John Cale in the 1970s. It's a it's a very messy, silly, murderous, bloody decade for John, uh, and I think we've we've done a little bit of that ourselves here. And we didn't on. even mention chicken shit, which I mean should kind of blast a hole into the uh, in, into the, onto this list somewhere. But uh, yeah, well, it, we gotta we gotta we we gotta keep it gotta keep tight. it a little tight. A little gotta keep tight. it tight. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, really, these That's, are. Great it just picks. goes to show that there's so much there, and there's definitely like at least a half a dozen that more that like probably were you know major contenders for making it on this list. Oh, totally. You could do a whole other playlist of another twenty songs that aren't on this playlist that would be equally kind of valid from fucking hanky panky know how to Antarctica starts here to the jeweler to uh, the the man who couldn't afford to orgy. Dirty ass rock and roll. Dirty ass rock and roll to Helen of Troy, the song, you know, uh, it's in Dr. Mud, which I had on mine, to uh, Memphis even. Like, it's... I don't know if the guy put out, like, a bad song the entire fucking decade. Like, there are a couple, like we talked about from Helen in particular, that are, like, a the, little kind of the, sketchy. The bad but ones just feel like they maybe weren't, you know, they, they don't feel bad as much as they feel maybe a little unfinished. Right. But there's not even a, um, like a, there's no Joey, <laughs> there's no Joey is what hey. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> for better or for worse, you know, um, there's maybe guess, one or two Joey's in there. I don't know. Um, there's certainly no songs as long as Joey. Um, there are, what is, what is Joey's minutes? 40, 40 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> the 45 minute song, Joey, um, well, there you have it, folks. John Cale in the 1970s. What a decade. Um, and that will do it for our coverage of Mr. Cale, the Mad Welshman, uh, in the years between 1970-1979. going to come back to him now, uh, not until the year of ours in 2023, because uh, we've got some other, other bases to touch between now and the end of the year. But um, I, think, uh, I think we've done... I think... I think we've done him justice so I think far. So. Wouldn't yeah. you say? I would say. Yeah. Certainly the most um uh uh complete podcast assessment of John Cale's output in the nineteen seventies thus far uh, that that I'm aware of. Um yeah. also the least complete one, uh, because I believe it's the only one that exists. But you know, uh we'll see. <laughs> it's you the least complete. Well, we're just gonna probably circle back to our own uh, and try to fix our our own mistakes before another podcast even attempts to do a roundup of them from scratch. That's right. Yeah, we're just going to revisit We're just going to lap everybody. <laughs> and, yeah, we'll just be like looking back at ourselves thinking we're stupid before you can even call us stupid. So Exactly. So don't call us stupid is what we're saying because you're going to look stupid because we've already called ourselves stupid. That's right. In the future. 
That's <laughs> the Jokerman promise. We think our takes are even shittier than you think they are. Someday. <laughs> Jokerman. Get, get right by the stream.